Good morning, church. Good to see you guys this morning. Man, my heart is full um, as we got to worship the King, experience His manifest presence, um, and be with you guys. You know, I pray for you guys almost every day. And so I get to see you guys uh, most of the time once a week, and so it just makes my heart full to worship God together. Um, I have been carrying a word in my heart uh, this week, and uh, we are in the middle of a teaching series called NUMA, Uh, the indispensable role of the Holy Spirit. And today we're gonna focus in on the presence. And by the way, I'm Zach. If you're new here, I'm just glad you're here. I hope you feel seen and known and loved by us, but more importantly, by God. You know, um, sometimes we we say like, you you might hear me say language like, I I have an expectation, I have a a faith that the Lord will come. And maybe sometimes you like process that you're like, yeah, but he's everywhere. So like, what's going on with that? There is a difference between his omnipresence and his, in, in the, the language of the scriptures, his manifest presence or his tanzo, tangible presence. And so there's these times when there's a collection of faith in a room that stirs something in the spiritual realm and it releases an awareness. And he comes, it's not just because he's like, okay, like you're doing these things. It's when lordship is elevated, his presence pours out in a special way. And so today um, on pa- Pentecost Sunday, I'm really expectant for his presence. And it's, and like, praise God that it's not based on my performance <laughs> or maybe even your performance, right? This is based on the achievement of Jesus Christ. And this has been building for generations upon generations of God's faithfulness him being faithful to his own promises, to setting covenant after covenant, a culmination, right? These exploits, think of judges and the prophets the tent of meetings, building a temple, building, establishing a nation, all the way to this point of this church. (laughs) We are standing on the shoulders of the Lord's faithfulness. You know, um, I I just want to just kind of preface that I've been working on this message and kind of stewing over these things uh, about the presence of God and reading the scripture and meditating over these things. Um, and, and I was preparing last night and I went home and took a shower and went to bed. And while I was like going to bed, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, I might do something different. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> and I just believe that we are a people that yield to the Holy Spirit. That he is the one who, who ushers in the reality of the truth of the scripture. He is the, the teacher. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the presence of Jesus here with us. And so just wanted to kind of preface that. We might, I might just, we might just kind of shift things up a little bit, but trust me, it's going to be good. You know, many of you guys know um, my story. Maybe you you don't, but I grew up in a Christian home and it was awesome. My parents are actually here. They moved here. Super excited about that. Um, My dad was, grew up Jewish, uh, went to Hebrew school kind of became, I would, I would say, an agnostic Jew. Uh, kind of had the life, like maybe had the, uh, the trappings of, of a Jew, but didn't practice. And then my mom, uh, I might boldly say, was probably like a guilty Catholic. <laughs> um, and she, their, their marriage was kind of on the rocks. And they, they moved back to Toronto from Corpus Christi, where I was born, and where my dad was raised in Toronto. And they were searching, and I think their heart was open to more and to help and to God. And from what I remember, the story goes, they're walking in the streets of Toronto and someone 
has the boldness and the love to share their faith with them and say, hey, Jesus loves you, and do you want to try this church? We believe in the gospel. And they started to go, and over time, uh, the Holy Spirit got into their hearts, and they received the Holy Spirit, were born-again Christians. And they raised me in this context, and it's, it's awesome, with a, a true love for uh, the church, a true love for Jesus, a, a love for the scriptures. I grew up that way. But in my early 20s, I started to sort of wander and found myself questioning a lot of things, and I wanted to find my own ethos. I wanted to figure out what this life was beyond um, the confines of religion, so to speak, and found myself, you know, journeying down different philosophies and different humanities and different things. And to be honest, the more I did that, um, and I also chased my desire and, like, pleasure, and the more I did that, the more I found myself in a tailspin into darkness, into a pit, started to experience... um, clinical depression and anxiety. I ended up dropping out of college and sort of wandered for a while, for a few years. And like, there was always something, guys, there was always something inside me that was like, you are going to be called into ministry. You're set apart for this, (laughs) uh, whether you like it or not. uh, And that's going to be your calling. And I was just like, no way. And my lifestyle didn't, didn't reflect that at all. I wandered for a long time, like Jonah or something. I remember this one time I was working at a coffee shop and these two guys walked in um, and they, they looked kind of cool, but I didn't know where they were from. This is in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and they walk in there, and they're like, hey, uh, what's your name? Uh, where are you from? What's your story? Hey, we want to be your friend. Can we be your friend? I remember just thinking, like, adults don't do this. Like, you can't just ask me to be my friend. We don't do that. And they're like, yeah, can we want to be your friend? Let's hang out. Let's uh, get coffee. Let's get a beer. Let's, I, want, let's, I want to hear your story. Let's, uh, let's, let me uh, share ours. And I remember thinking, like, who are you? Like, who does this? And they're like, uh, we're actually church planners from Seattle, Washington. And uh, we felt like the Lord was calling us to plant a church right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was like, who plants a church in the Bible Belt? Like, there's too many churches there. You don't need to plant a church in Atlanta. But they felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to, to bring them there. Um, there's many spirit-filled churches in Atlanta, but that God wanted to put them in a strategic place to be a spirit-filled church especially for prodigals, and I was one. And so I remember, like, they were like, yeah, come check it out. And I was like, okay, um, fine, I'll, I'll actually come. And so I remember GPSing it, getting there, and it was a house. And I was like, what? And then there were signs that were going into this garage, and I was like, it's into the garage. What's going on here? And so I remember walking in and just feeling a lot of shame, to be honest. Just like, I, I just, you know, just my lifestyle, I felt like just, kind of dirty and unworthy and all of my sin and all the stuff that I was dealing with. And I remember just like, should I even be here? And I remember coming in and just, uh, they started playing worship. There's only maybe 15 to 20 people. It was a church plant, right? Kind of, we are kind of a church plant. We might be just like a few, uh, maybe like a year ahead of that, but there was this energy in the room of expectancy and of growth, but it was in the, this garage. And I remember just like worshiping and it was, it tasted something so good that I've just never, I've never tasted before. It was like an authenticity. There was this, like this yearning and this ache for God to pour out his love. And I remember like feeling, one of the first times in my life, like wanting to put my hands up, but I didn't grow up in that context. I didn't grow up in the charismatic stream. Um, and so I remember just being like, I don't know what to do with my hands, but I want to do something. I'm just going to put it right behind me. And, but I remember feeling, I don't, have you ever been in a place where you're just like, I'm sensing God's presence here. 
Like there's something, something tangible, like it's manifesting something beautiful. And it's medicinal for what I'm going through right now. And by the way, I feel like many of us are coming in here with a lot, like with this backpack of busyness. And this is just like a side word for us. I just feel like the Lord wants to like unload those burdens and kind of cleanse us right now and to like just allow us to come into a deep place of rest. So as I say that, I just, I pray that over you in Jesus' name. And so I remember just being like in this place and experiencing freedom kind of wash over me and like love wash over me like, like liquid. Like I can feel it on my body and something cleansing me. And I felt like peace was invading the war in my mind. And it was the presence of God. And as I experienced this presence of God, it, I remember thinking, I'm like, this has got to be what it's all about. Like, it's about the expectancy to, to encounter the living God. It's not just play church. It's not just religion. It's like, I want a personal encounter with Jesus. And this is what he wants for us. And so I, I like made it kind of like a result. Like, a, there was like a resolve in me at that time. It's like, I want to be a part. I want to allow God to restore my heart. And I was wandering, and so I needed a, like a proper restoration. But I, just let me tell you, church, like, we always need a little bit of restoration. Every day, it's like, Lord, just restore my heart. I just turn back to you. I give you all of my attention and affection. And I remember just making like this decision. I want to be a part of a church that pursues the presence of God and that prioritizes the presence of Jesus. And so here we are. Here we are at One Chapel Lake Travis. And I hope that you're as grateful as I am that that's what we endeavor to do to pursue the presence of God and to prioritize Jesus. We call it a, a foundational and kind of basis of everything that we do, that we, we believe that God is present and that he's active among his people by the power of his Holy Spirit. There's a long intro, but there's a lot in my heart. So as I said, we continue this teaching series, Numa. And so this, this word comes from the Greek word, um, for spirit. This is pneuma, and it means breath or wind or spirit. And we get this from, from a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, you, you can recall this, this incredible conversation. And Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is the very breath and wind of God that moves in and through our lives. Let's just pause right there and pray and just orient ourselves to the text. So Heavenly Father, we love you. We give you our attention. We just continue to yield to you as our leader. Thank you that you are the one that brings revelation. And so would you speak through the text? Would you speak through me? And Lord, we surrender. We just, we just give you full control and leadership today. Fill us up, lead us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is the very breath and wind of God that moves in and through our lives. And we get this right back in the creation story in Genesis chapter, chapter 2, verse 7. Let's read that. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now here the breath of life it's important for us to note, means the spirit of life. And we can deduce that because of the context, and we'll get into that in a moment, but also the, the fact that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses that same language as a moniker for the Holy Spirit in Romans. And so this is a breathing of the spirit. This is not CPR, right? Rachel and I did CPR class when we had kids. It's not that. This is something a little bit more significant. And we'll see that. So how do we know this? So we'll see that by, by a few verses later. Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit. Many of you guys know that story. And they do indeed die, just like Jesus or God said. But interestingly enough, they were still physically alive, right? They were walking around. You see, they, they died spiritually. They died spiritually. There was a separation from God in a way that caused humanity to be the walking dead, essentially, the walking dead. And it's, and it's an interesting picture. I think it's exaggerated. But there's a lot of lifelessness. There's a lot of hollow um, lives out there. And sometimes I experience that. Right? When we're not living with, with the Holy Spirit as our leader. I think that's why so many of us, so many people kind of fill their lives with things that make them feel alive. Right? Maybe it's like just experience. I just need to experience more things. I need, I need to have an adventure. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's careerism, right? Just chasing after your goals and your career or money or sex. But the truth is, we are dead inside without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you probably have testimonies of that in your own life when we're just, we're not living by the Holy Spirit. It's just like we're decomposing from the inside out, right? Humans were never intended, we were never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. You're never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. You know, I love, um, I love being, I want to do a whole like sidebar here about like cessationism versus continuationism, which is like theological terms for like, do you believe in the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit working out in his power, right? So we're continuationists. We believe that nothing's stopped. God has not changed. He's still working among us. And so something that I, like being a continuationist, let's also use the word charismatic, whatever, um, something that we can expect is that we want to experience God. It's not just head knowledge. We're not just brains on a stick. We want to experience, experiential, right? And we want encounter. How many wants encounter? Does you want an encounter? It's a lot of hands. I want the real thing. I don't want to just think about food. I want to eat it, right? <laughs> Like, this, this is what we're after. We, we want to encounter God. I want him to pour out his presence. I want him to change us, to empower us to live. Pentecost Sunday. And these things are important and very, very significant, and they have the power to change us and to change our society. But I think something that I want to add to this is that the Holy Spirit isn't here just to give us great experiences or these, like, wonderful encounters. He wants to empower our lifestyle. He wants to come into like the mundane, into the normal, into the pedestrian parts of your life. I'm just walking and doing my thing and empower you. How many of you guys believe that? Yeah. Sometimes I, I feel like I know that. But I'm like, would you be, do you care about this? 
Would you come and enter into this place? You know, I think, I think we're, gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about that, how we can bring this deep into our hearts. But the Holy, the Holy Spirit, he distinguishes us from the rest of the world. He distinguishes us from the rest of the world. With, without the presence of the Holy Spirit personally working in our lives, church, like what is church if God isn't here? What is church without his personal transforming power and his presence and his love? Maybe it's just like a social club. Maybe it's like a therapeutic kind of thing. Maybe it's like we rally around nice songs and cute sermons and like a moral code to live by, but it's not necessarily anything more potent than that. But that's not God's intention. He wants to transform our lives. He wants to give us wholeness and like to, to embed his good, his, his life-giving goodness into our soul to overflow into society. And so God is calling us to, to receive his presence and to be aware of it, but he's not going to kind of force it. He's a gentleman in, in a way, you know, like he's likened to a gentleman in the way that he's not going to be rude. He's not going to just barge in. He's, he's gentle. And he, so he's not going to force his way in, but he is determined, <laughs> He is determined to live within us. We see this throughout the arc of the scriptures. He's even willing to die on the cross for this to happen. He's determined to, to live with us and to bring things back to the original reality, to God's original design. So picture like Eden before the fall of sin and brokenness and all of the raw potential of goodness to spread around the planet, of innovation, this is God's intended reality. And with that, he wanted to live in us and with us. And that's what Jesus describes to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 16. It says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, it's interesting. Um, have you ever thought about like where Jesus went after he ascended to the Father? Like we, we some of us who, who are more learned with the, with the scriptures know where you went, but Peter actually describes it as they gathered in Jerusalem on Pentecost, right? 2,000 years ago, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the church. And so let's read that in Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, verse 33 now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. I believe that God wants to do that again today. It's the very first revival is Pentecost. And I believe that God wants to do it again. You know, side note, um, Jesus uh, received a new body when he was resurrected, right? And that's gonna be the case for you and I, which is good news, <laughs> which is good news. We are gonna receive a new body when Jesus returns. When he was raised from, from, from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, it changed his body composition. It's kind of interesting. And he was able to walk through walls, right? He was able to translocate or teleport, however you wanna call it. he just disappear and then reappear in a different place. Okay, Jesus. And, but he would still, so his body composition changed, but he would still eat food because food is awesome. 
Uh, food is awesome. But God's plan is to restore the world back to the beauty and splendor of Eden. He needed, to, he needed a way to do this. And so, so, so beyond the, not just like revealing himself in occasional exploits and like the temporary tent, think, think Moses and transient uh, Israel or a permanent temple, think Solomon and the kings of Israel. Instead, beyond that, he gave his, himself. <laughs> he gave himself not only through Jesus, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence here on earth. That sense of God's, you ever just sense God's nearness? It's like, there's just, that feels like life and love. There's something emanating here. That's the Holy Spirit. If you ever experienced that, like there's a stirring when we worship together or when there's an outpouring of generosity or we're taking care of somebody or we're suffering through something with faith and you sense you sense his, you can experience him and you can sense his presence. That's the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's like a little nudge where you sense, like you're like, oh, I'm just like getting the nudge to like call somebody. I'm gonna go call them. I'm gonna encourage them. That's the Holy Spirit as well. Or maybe it's that little voice where you're just, you, you sense God speaking to you to go this way or to go that way, maybe encouraging you or maybe warning you, right? Or convicting, you ever just feel conviction? Like a lot of people, I feel like they're like, yeah, dude, I don't know how God speaks. I'm not really sure about that. Have you ever been convicted? God's speaking to you. <laughs> like people who say God doesn't speak anymore. I'm like, do you not live with conviction? Because that's God speaking to you at least. And so that's all the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk a little bit more about these aspects of the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. Uh, but today I want to focus in on, on one personal benefit of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit, all right? The first one here, or I'm only saying one, but I had two, but I think I'm going to save that one. As I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God in our life, and so as a result, the Holy Spirit is the source of great personal freedom, great personal freedom. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's powerful. Jesus wants us to know the truth. <laughs> but freedom doesn't come from just facts. It's, not an, it's just not strictly a cerebral thing. This is, to, to know the truth is, comes from believing, from placing our faith with our mind, our faith, embracing trusting and surrendering and yielding to the relationship, to a life of relationship with God. And so how do we have, how do we have a relationship with God? Well, it's simple. We just, we give him our attention, we trust him, and we have faith in him. And then he does most of the work. <laughs> and so how do we have a relationship with God? It has been achieved through the work of the Messiah. It's been achieved by Jesus. And the scriptures, the language of the scriptures it is the way, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so how do we, how do we have a relationship with Jesus in this way? Well, like I mentioned, it's, it's a personal relationship, but it's through the Holy Spirit, who is the helper and the advocate. So as Jesus indicates, the real struggle that we kind of work through is, you know, it's, 
He says, holding to my teachings. That's why we need a helper. That's why we need an advocate, a counselor, again, in the language of the scriptures. You know, in a really real sense, um, this idea of freedom, I think, really is unlocked and happens. Freedom comes from, being, from destroying the lies that control your life. When we can destroy the, the control of lies, freedom is birthed. So how do we destroy these lies? How do we get the truth into us? How do we hold to the teaching of, uh, teachings of Jesus and, there, and thereby continue to discover and know the truth? Well, we just read it a, a minute ago in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father. I, I love this. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I love in this, this little passage is the Trinity, right? Just the triune nature of God all working together in unity. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us receive the truth. He's been sent by the Father and he now empowers us to receive the truth of Jesus and experience his freedom. Freedom to, to do what? Freedom to, to be unlocked and freed from the slavery of sin. Freedom from failure. Oh man, who needs some freedom from failure of our past, right? Just wants to come and like torment us. But the Holy Spirit brings us freedom from the failure of our past and freedom from the hurtful violations of other people. He provides these things. Freedom from, from foolishness, like just clutter, bad habits, bad patterns and addictions. He gives us freedom for that. Freedom from, from unforgiveness. Freedom, freedom from bitterness and anger. Gives us freedom for these things. Freedom from whatever is gripping our soul. Check out these amazing words from the Apostle Paul. This might be one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, this is kind of a call to the new covenant, unveiled faces in contrast to Moses. Unveiled faces contemplate. This is where I talk about contemplative prayer. This is where it comes from. We contemplate or reflect or meditate on the Lord's glory. And that, what does that do? It and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Today, I want us to just continue to open up our hearts and our minds to the Scripture and to these incredible implications. <laughs> Talking about this transformation into glory. This is actually God's calling on our life to transform us into his very image, you know, I want us to, to bring this next line into our hearts. Would you be willing to do that? There's this line that I've been chewing on, and it's, it's an axiom. And I want us to, to listen to this and maybe even memorize it, and it's this. Freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. You know, we think that freedom is, is the absence of bad habits, let's say. Or freedom is the absence of wrong thoughts or the absence of emotional states. If I could just get this stuff out of my life, then I would be free. 
But the Bible defines freedom in a very different way. I'm not saying that we shouldn't cut those things out. I definitely think we should. There's a lot. Um, Kyle, my new friend, he suggested essentialism, that book. And there's so much worthless things that we just like, just cut it out and make life better. And those things are true. But the Bible is suggesting it's not just that. It's not just that. There's more to it. So here's the dynamic, though. If we're seeking the absence of things, then we're focused on giving our attention to the things that we're trying to give out, put out of our life. Instead of trying to get closer to the one who first gave us life and who aches and, and longs to set us free. This is how freedom is birthed. We, we don't just like think about getting rid of all these things. We actually come close to the one who's, who's the source of freedom itself. Freedom ultimately comes from yielding to God. It comes from yielding to God, surrendering every part, every major decision, every minor decision. And when we live this way, freedom is unleashed. And this yielding builds a confident state of heart and mind, which comes from knowing that I am infinitely united with Jesus and that he is with me and for me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as far as I can tell from the scriptures, um, there is only one thing in the Bible that God helps us to control. <laughs> what, is, what do you guys think that, that is? Go ahead, I'm, I'm really asking. What does he help us to control? That's close, you're, you're on it. Our emotions, that's all touching it. It's ourselves. God helps us to control ourselves. It's called self-control because it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter five. Galatians five, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, there is such a, a living nature to the scriptures. I feel like I'm just saying these things and it's like changing the atmosphere. Self-control is the only thing that God is asking us to do, but even that comes from yielding. It's a paradox. The kingdom of God is upside down. How does freedom come from yielding? This is, this is how it happens, and Jesus is the example. And I love that like, Paul uses this language that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that these are fruits. These are fruits. And so think about all that it takes to like, have fruit, like photosynthesis and the root system and just all that time. and just It's just like to give this beautiful, sweet thing. And this is what it takes for us in our own life. There's a lot that goes into it, but then it gives birth to this beautiful thing. And then in it, there's seeds to do it again. This is what God wants to do in our lives. I love fruit. <laughs> I love fruit. I've been, I used to be addicted to peanut butter and honey sandwiches. And uh, I still like them. I actually had one this morning. But I used to only have it before I went to sleep. I was like, I can't go to bed unless I have a peanut butter and honey sandwich. And I, had every, I would have it every night, um, which is not good for me. <laughs> uh, um, but now, and just random side note, but now I like, I'm, I've been addicted to melons. <laughs> I just eat cantaloupe and melons. I'm being really random here, but it's good. Uh, cantaloupe, honeydew, watermelon, just put a dollop on Greek yogurt on there, and I'm set. This is fruits of the Holy Spirit. It just brings delight and it brings goodness into the world. You know, when we, when we give ourselves to God, when we surrender, fruits of the Holy Spirit takes place, but it also frees us from our own selfish 
toxicity and our own selfish ambitions and our own controlling propensity or controlling addictions. The Bible calls it the acts of the sinful nature. We experience freedom when we, when we allow God to take control, when he, we, we allow him to fill us afresh, to fill us afresh, giving him permission to be in charge. I'm gonna call up Gabrielle. Um, we're gonna kind of move to a close here. It's gonna be a little bit of a shorter message today because I feel like um, God wants to minister and it's not just necessarily in this, this model. Um, and so the last thought I just wanna remind ourselves is, is that the gospel, like the kingdom of God and the gospel is about experiencing this freedom that God wants to, to live in us and through us and then being willing to share that freedom with others, right? And I feel like sometimes, sometimes like the, the dynamic with church is like the pastors or the worship leaders or whatever are like the all-stars and you guys are like, like the people on the bench. And that's just not true. You guys are the all-stars. I'm like a, maybe a coach, right? And so I just want us to, to like remember that you're playing, like you're in the game. And so I want us to stir our hearts and just to, like, to maybe come out of the, the trappings in the, of church and be willing to do something a little bit different. And, we, and, and it's not like super crazy, but like we are gonna take communion. And so I want us to like really engage our hearts and kind of like, Lord, what do you wanna do in and through me? How do you wanna empower me? How can I surrender and yield to you right now? You know, something that I was kind of, mewing on today is today is Pentecost Sunday and I was talking to Paul about it um, before service and it's in the Old Testament Pentecost was the giving of the Torah right the law and the Torah and the New Testament it's the giving of the Holy Spirit and so in the Old Testament it was like giving of the teachings of God and now we have the giving of the teacher and that's what this is all about in the Old Testament, it was like, here's the instructions on how to live. And now it's like, here, let me give you my, my power and my person to help you live. And so just allow your hearts to kind of open up in faith. And what I want us to do is we're going to worship a little bit. We're going to heal a little bit, I think. We're going to be empowered, um, maybe challenged but I want us to maybe be willing to share how God has been faithful in your life. <laughs> to get, give a quick testimony or to pray, or if you get a word, um, you can come and talk to me and then we can, we can do that. And then we're gonna take communion together. And, and so right now, uh, maybe we can just start with prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you're for us. And the more that we fix our eyes on you, Father, and the more we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, as our, our, as our attention on you increases, anxiety decreases. Meaninglessness decreases. Hopelessness decreases. Depression decreases. So we fix our eyes on you the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, you're wonderful. I'm in love with you. 
So thank you that you're here by your spirit. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to us. Which, thank you that you're gentle. <laughs> thank you that you're, you're so persuasive, but you're gentle. And so would you lead us in a gentle way, Lord? Would you woo us? We're not going to force anything to force discomfort. You are actually the comforter. But we do want to take risk. We want to be a faithful people. We want to be a people who live our beliefs. Act them out. And so we give you this time. We worship you, God. Lead this time. We love you. In Jesus' name.